Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Second Row Podcast. My name is Park Kelly and as always I'm joined by Oshin Collins. Hello, in person again. I know, you don't get used to this. Twice in two weeks, I like I, when you turn up for our little dates in person. Yeah, but I live in Connemara so like maybe come to Galway every now and again. <laughs> That's fair. So before we get started, don't forget we are available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher and all Android podcast apps. And despite the end of the regular season, we have found a couple of reasons to keep on talking to you for a little bit longer. That's right, Bork. So this week we're looking at all the Irish rugby teams that are in action. So we have a look at the sevens, um, a little chat about the under-20s, and then we'll be previewing the Ireland series in Australia with some very special guests. But first, as always, we do have some news. Yeah, and the uh, the finally the Great Irish Standoff has ended with the finalist, uh, Joey Carberry, being announced moving to Munster and uh, what looks like it's going to be a two-year deal. So Leinster going on a carb-free diet. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, the new Leinster coach, Atkins. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's it probably works out best for, for Munster. We're delighted. Um, good player, player at international quality, and um, works out well for Carberry as well, who's going to finally see some game time at 10 next season. Definitely, and like the thing is, with all these decisions, it is fundamentally about Team Ireland, you know, and the big thing for me, for Joey Carberry, was always his control of the game and now he's going to be playing week in, week out outside Connemara learning how to do that from one of the best. There's just no better way to learn. Yeah. Amazing. But I also don't think that's the end of the transfer saga. Like I think there'll be more 10s moving around. Yeah, definitely. Like there's what, four, five other 10s in Munster at the moment? Well, there's four senior 10s now if you include Carberry plus Blayendahl plus JJ plus Keatley and you've also got Bill Johnston coming through as well. So uh, there's just not going to be enough game time to keep five tens happy next season. No, definitely. I think one would definitely have to go to either Connacht or Ulster just to kind of keep things moving. Hopefully. Um, I think it just makes sense in terms of everybody getting some game time. Speaking of Ulster, a uh, bit of news up there as well. So Jared Payne uh, has been announced as Ulster's new defence coach and sadly has had to retire from rugby. Yeah, he's never quite recovered from those migraines he got on the Lions tour. You know, it didn't seem to be like a concussion issue. No, but whatever it was, it just wasn't going away. Yeah, like, and it's sad to see anyone's career end like that. Yeah. But he's got such an incredible rugby brain, and if he can get some of the knowledge he has into the players that he's played with in the past, then... Yeah. Well, I mean, he's always been kind of Ireland's defensive line leader when he's played with them. Like, he's got a good sense of vision and, as you said, high rugby intelligence. So, yeah. good decision, I think. Yeah, and he really, like, not dug Ireland out of a hole, but when Brian O'Driscoll and Darcy left, you know, yeah, yeah, he yeah. kept that midfield together by hooker, by crook. Absolutely. And, obviously, the other big bit of news this weekend, um, Ireland Sevens. So Ireland have been over as an invitational team at the London Sevens and uh, they only went and bronze medaled it. <laughs> like, when people talk about this is historic, like yeah. that should never be underestimated or understated because they were meant to just make up the numbers. Yeah, and well, they were 21st seeds. Yeah, and they've bronzed. Nice. Like, they have more points than teams that are actually in the HSB Seven Series. Yeah. Well, it was just impressive. And I mean, don't get me wrong, as, as as used to beating England and Twickenham as we are, it's still nice when you beat like a, one of the world-ranked teams. And having knocked out the USA in the quarterfinals exactly. as well. Like, you know, we got beat by Fiji in the semi, but like, you know... Who doesn't get beat by Fiji in the semis? You know, like, they are on like a 20-game plus five-series winning streak, you well, know? I just remember, and I was like, Park, is that Rad Radra? <laughs> yeah. Is that Tuisova? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God damn it. Bad Rad Radra. Bad Rad Radra. Bad Rad Radra. <laughs> Bad Radra. Yeah, no, it was um, it was an impressive accomplishment, and uh, that young Jordan Conmey guy looks like a serious operator. He's got some wheels on him. Oh, he's on like he is brilliant, and he was injured for a lot of last season, so he didn't even, we didn't. He's in the Connacht Academy. He didn't kind of make any appearances. Mm. But anyone who's been keeping on the sevens like has seen that he is just 
incredible. Yeah. And to score a hat trick against top tier opposition. Yeah. And in all fairness, there are only points against England. Apart from the conversion that Mark Roach nailed. Oh. oh. But big, you know, big plaudits to them. Like, they had, went over with no expectations and yep. ex- exceeded everyone's. Yeah, absolutely. And one team who unfortunately didn't exceed expectations is the under-20s. Yeah, it hasn't been a great tournament for them so far at all, though. No, and I guess we'll just probably chat about the two games together. So, yeah. they played France on Wednesday, the hosts, and narrowly lost out 26-24. And then came up against South Africa on Sunday and got pretty badly beaten in the end. Yeah, the two games are quite similar. You know, Iron very industrious, worked really hard, but just lacked that something in the 22. You know, lacked that killer pass or making sure the ball go into hand. You know, it just wasn't quite right. So one difference between the two games was the line-out. I mean, I think against France, we seem to have a pretty decent line-out. That crumbled a bit against South Africa, but in both games, our scrum was a real problem. Yeah, it was very inconsistent. There are times you're like, you'd think, like, oh, we've locked this out. We're, we've kind of sorted the issues, you know, which definitely happened in the South Africa match. But, yeah, there was definitely inconsistency there. And given the fact that we put the second row hex on Tom O'Toole beforehand. Yeah, I know. I think missing Jack O'Sullivan as well. Who, like He was the source of a lot of tries during the Six Nations this year. And Caelan Doris is a great player. But, you, you know, you look at that team and you think you're going to find a way to accommodate both of those or to be able to spring one of them off the bench. Could be really significant in a game like this. Yeah, definitely. Like, you're kind of thinking that Caelan Doris, but especially looking at him, yeah. is literally dragging that under-20 team to the points they're getting yeah. like, on his own almost. Well, we've been spoiled for the last couple of seasons. I mean, you look at the likes of Larimore, James Ryan, Ringrose, who've come up through that 20 setup, and, you know, this is um, there's not quite the same level of quality coming through. I mean, speaking about the game that was on yesterday, Caelan Doris, again, was excellent. Um, O'Brien at 13 was pretty good. Yeah. Um, looked dangerous every time he got the ball in hand. Um, Dean at 10 looked pretty good, and as did Harry Byrne when he came on off the bench. And Byrne had been pretty good on, on Wednesday's game as well. Yeah, but a lot of that came off the good line-up ball we were getting. You know, he was actually there showing some really nice patterns out wide, really good strike runs, nice lines, you know, mm. and clean ball does that for you. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, like looking at that game, even compared to like the likes of Super Rugby or like something else. There's no like lack of physicality from these guys. No, they're huge. But like and at the same time, that was Ireland's problem. We weren't taking the ball in that type of contact. It was too easy for France and South Africa just like bash us back. Yeah, we weren't taking the ball on our terms, and that's from one to fifteen. You know, like not clearing out properly. Still, though, I mean, like Jordan Joseph isn't even allowed to buy a pint. No, and he does look like his four men sellotape together. <laughs> you know, I thought it was nice to see Daniel Brennan lining out though. He is the most Irish-sounding Frenchman I've ever heard. Like, has he not lived in France his entire life? Yeah, completely. He is French through and through. and Dublin, know. County France. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's unlikely that he'll ever turn out for Ireland, though, isn't it? I mean, he's basically French. Yeah, like one, you've got to be in Ireland to play for Ireland. Yeah. And two, he is, if I remember correctly from old interviews with him, he is French. Mm. Like, he doesn't sound it. Yeah, but, but that's his life. That's but his, that's his life. That's yeah. his friends. That's his everything. Well, looking at the twenties, I mean, what are we going to see from them this week? They've got a game against Georgia. It's a bit of a dead rubber, but there is still, you know, the fifth place or ninth place playoffs or whatever within this competition. Yeah, I think this team will want to win. You know what I mean? They do need to kind of um, build momentum, and that's something they didn't do in the other two matches. You know, they they win that tight game against France. That South Africa match is a different story. Yeah, they've you got know? something to play for in a big way. Yeah, but like, so they need to show to themselves. You know they can win matches. You know that's really it. A lot of it, this like a lot of it for them at this point is 
internal pride. At the end of the day, we have to remember that these guys are 18, 19, yeah. 20. Like, they're not exactly adults, you know? Like, so we can't expect them to... Pork, we're not exactly adults. <laughs> that is true, you know? So <laughs> we can barely put this together, let alone, like, you know, play international rugby to a high standard. Oh, no, no, no one ever gave us a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, someday, Oshin, someday. Well, I'll tell you who isn't playing rugby to a high standard is the first of our international fixtures, South Africa v Wales. Yeah, Snooze Fest 2018. Oh my, oh my God. How not to advertise rugby? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, you're, you're trying to get... Maybe they were trying to make it look like American football because nothing happened for most of the game. The people there were huge and nobody was in the stadium. And everything took so long to happen. You know, like setting up scrums took five resets, mm. all this type of stuff. Not Kick exactly an advertisement. For, given given Major League Rugby, which is a terrible name, um, is doing so well and getting crowds out and seems to be entertaining. Like for this to be, uh, well, I'll put it this way: it's not exactly Ireland All Blacks in Soldier Field, is it? No, like it really isn't. And I wouldn't think that the Welsh and the South Africans have like, the expat community that the Irish and even Italians will have for that match. Yeah, Ireland Italy should be good. You should yeah. get a good turnout for that. You know, it's just really 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 weird yeah we talked about this enough already this game is dull (laughs) exactly what is exciting however is the upcoming ireland series in australia and here to join us are some very special guests all the way from oz that's right we're joined this week by blake and richard from the rugby report card lads thanks for joining us are you looking forward to this series as much as we are i'm super excited because i kind of I'm, i'm looking forward to watching blake squirm and I say that with great passion and delight as he as he watches his team play Ireland. Are you are you expecting to come away with a win? Is that like comfortably, or what do you guys think? Like I think the Irish Irish the Irish expectation and mine is that we definitely will win the series. Yeah, comfortably. So I reckon it's going to be either a two one or a three 0 win. Yeah. See, this is awkward because I don't think so. <laughs> oh. Well, I tell you what, if we were having this conversation about two months ago, while you and James are crying into your pints, <laughs> it's a very different series. I don't know. I, th- I think the difficulty as an Aussie fan is we have no idea what to expect. They have six days training camp, so I don't. I have no idea what the world is. You're sounding, you're sounding pommy right now. You're playing and having your chances. <laughs> no, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm more saying unpredictability. Yeah. I just don't know what's going to come out here. I don't know what team he's going to name, if he's going to name a tried and tested 15, um, or he's going to take a few risks. I have no idea what to expect from the Wallabies. So it's really hard to, um, to know. And then I guess we just don't get to watch enough of the Six Nations stuff to see that the form you guys are in. We see the results, but you don't see the ins and outs. All I hear is excuses. (laughs) This is like the Eddie Jones version. It's like, six days in a test camp, mate. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the voice down pat. Yeah, I know. That was impressive. So where are Ireland going to win it? Um, For us, I think it's got to be in our type five. I think we have the best type five in the world at the moment as a unit. Do you think that was a big loss with Rory Best, obviously um, not not travelling, and obviously you're not having a captain right now? Is that a, a, a you know a huge loss for you that uh, is going to affect going to affect your thinking Just on that? Just settle down for a minute, mate. Our hook is going to be from fourth grade subbies on Saturday. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought you guys had like 200 hookers now that Stephen Moore has finally stopped holding onto that jersey with a death grip. But the other side, our halfbacks are probably the best in the world right now. This is very confident, chat. Yeah, this is. I'm, I'm loving this chat. This is good. Um, I tell you, I, I am worried about the fact that you've got like a back three with Israel Falau, DHP, and potentially Curly Beal in there running around in 
17 directions at once. Yeah, I, I look, I, th- I think your analysis is pretty spot on. I think Ireland have the advantage in the type 5 and in the halves. We maybe have the ruck um, and maybe have out wide. Um, so there's plenty of points there. But I, I don't disagree too much other than to say I think our, our type five's better than it has been in maybe 10 years. I think this is the best we've scrummaged in a super rugby season for as long as I can remember. Well, I mean, your your team might pick itself. If you go with the you know the Reds pack and the Taz backline, not going to go too far wrong. From your side, point of view, you talk about having at the, one of the uh, much stronger type five. Do you think that you will compete at the breakdown um, really hard or will you try and compete initially and then fan out? How do you think that will actually play? Because I think that's actually a big big contest point, especially with the way that Australia probably set out with, with the likes of Hooper, Pocock and potentially Timu or um, within that situation. So do you think you'll compete hard at it? That all kind of depends on what back row you put together. You know, will Samu play or will you go with more Pooper? I reckon it'll be Hooper, Pocock, Timu. Well, that gives you a bit more physicality anyway. Yeah, line-out options get a little bit slower, but... Like, Le- Leinster's success in Europe has all been built around getting quick rock ball. And Pocock's entire game plan is giving you shitty rock ball. That's a fair point. I think... Um, Depends how he's going to interpret the rules, though, as well. I think that's a massive thing. You there's see. always that change from Super Rugby to International. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I don't know. How do you back your tactical kicking? Because I think England showed the blueprint. Australia just cannot beat teams that kick well. Because we just can't match it. Foley can't kick more than 20 metres. And Will Genny is a passing and running halfback. He doesn't have much of a kicking game. And Folau, despite his AFL career, is literally the worst kicker ever. Um, we just struggle when teams out-tactical kickers. Is that something Ireland so, will go to? I think it's almost definitely what we'll go to. But what we did see this year in the Six Nations was a little bit more variation. Um, there's a couple of young guys coming through that team. The likes of Ringrose, the likes of Jacob Stockdale, who are capable of catching the ball and doing this weird thing where they hold it in their hands and run forward with it which is new to us what yeah what, what's that we haven't seen that for, for quite a while <laughs> yeah it, it reminds me of that joke about england back in 2003 and it's like what does the dog do if they score a try could we just clarify what happened in 2003 blake <clears throat> i think it was some interference there sorry guys <laughs> Blake, you must be looking forward to watching a resurgence South Africa could do England, though, right? Oh, hang on, hang on. We didn't need to bring that up as well. well let's be fair, resurgence. <laughs> Did you boys watch them on the weekend? They were fucking pus. That was, they were horrendous <laughs> against Wales. But we had it on in the background. There was a few friends over. And you know you know it's a bad game when the two of us are watching other than the rugby. Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, did you see England get dumped on by the Barbas the previous week? Oh, that was sensational. Yeah, we were yeah. getting on so well. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first English person we've brought on to the podcast and done this to. <laughs> no, no, bring, bring it on. Um, what did you actually think of the game? And go back to the South Africa game for a moment, because obviously it was played in Washington, D.C. as a... As a as a way to try and engender a bit of love for the game. But it ended up being two second-string teams, and it was a really poor affair. So I think the problem with the Americans is it's got to be packaged. It's got to be a spectacle. And unless they changed the definition of the word spectacle, that was not it. No, it wasn't. But they didn't even get the numbers in like Ireland did for Ireland All Blacks. I think All Blacks just have that brand name. Like people will show up to watch them because of their dominance in the sport. Just fuck it off. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we in America? It's heap shit. You have your own sports. Do your own thing. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm shocked at this 3-0 Island chat. I I thought you guys would come on here with a towel between your legs. You know, we might grab one. Not two simple words. 
James Bryan. He hasn't lost a professional match yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither had a Toji. But James Ryan's better. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think Ireland have done their term as the underdogs. Coming to Australia, ranked second in the world. We're, we're, we're feeling quietly confident. Yeah, I guess so you should be. I mean, the Six Nations, I lost a lot of money. I bat, backed England. Um, but yeah, so, so you should be. Every cloud has a silver lining, eh? <laughs> that must have been the only reason you were watching the Six Nations, Richard. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, what are the going looking at the island island team in a bit more detail? We talked about the the front five, but uh, and you talked about halfbacks. Centre partnership. What direction do you think they'll go in the midfield? So I think our first choice centre partnership is probably Henshaw and Ringrose. Yeah. But you do have the likes of Bundyaki who can come off the bench, and if you got tired bodies around there, he's going to absolutely run over some dudes. Yeah, because he played really well in the England game, actually. Um, um, is that where you fancy yourself a fairly big chance? Like, if Australia goes Curtly Bill at 12, he couldn't, like, he can't get a tag at Oztag. He certainly can't tackle anyone. Um, and Kurandrani at 13, who just looks like he's 100 years old this year. Um, or Karevi, who clearly struggles in defence. Is that, do you reckon that's somewhere England are going to go to for attack? You just really insulted Ireland to Irish people by calling them by England. I did too. Yeah. Oh, geez. Sorry, boys. <laughs> I was going to correct you, but it's fine. You all colonised us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's all the same, isn't it? But, yeah, we all suffered under the yoke of English oppression and then came back to beat the hell out of them. Again, so, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all good. So uh, I think Ireland are going to go up in the air like I, th- I think it's going to be tactical kicking first and foremost what I do think we are capable of doing is when the game does break up you have a lot of physicality coming through and plus our, our 100 year old player Keith Earls looks like he's found a new lease of life yeah because he I thought a few years ago he would he'd reach the end of his career but uh, as you uh, I haven't watched enough but um, so he's really tr- he's really kicking on then is he absolutely he was one of our players of the Six Nations yeah like there's so many young wingers coming through he's had to just get better. Who was that bloke who scored 7,000 tries in the Six Nations? You mean the interceptor, Jacob Stockdale? Yeah, so him and Ringrose in the centres should run right. It'd be Henshaw and Ringrose in the centre. So Stockdale has this special trick where he just reads people's mind and <laughs> pulls, the, pulls the ball out of the air before you've passed it. Like, it's weird. The guy's a freak. <laughs> what about the Irish bench? Because I actually think Australia in the last two years or so have finally built a little bit of depth. And I reckon, you know, Checker calls them the finishers, the guys that will come on in the last 20. I actually think if he picks a balanced side, we could have a pretty dynamic bench coming on. Porrick is making a well-known hand signal at the thought of the word finishers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's he's pretentious. <laughs> what do you think about the bench? Will Ireland match it there? Well, I'm a bit worried about your bench because you've got some serious talent to spring off and people who can change a game. Like, if, if, if you start with TK... Which he probably will, because as you said, Karevi actually doesn't know where he is. Do you think he will? And this is a question for you as well, Blake. Do you think, because he's had a very poor season for the Brumbies this year, and mm. I know Karevi's poor defensively at 13, but does, is he the incumbent? Do you think I, I think, say that? I think for me, it's a no brainer you pick Karevi. The bloke's the superstar. He yeah. just needs to work on his positioning in defense. He yeah. likes to tackle, it's just his positioning. I think with. and. Call me Eddie all you like. I think with six days, they're just going to pick the stock standard DHP, Falau, uh, Tavita, Beal, Foley, Genia. I think the only flavour will be at a hooker because it has to. Mm-hmm. Um, and at number eight, because we haven't had a ball running eight since Kefu retired. Um, and That's we a need long one. Time ago. Maybe Palo, but he's a bit shit. Yeah. 
So you reckon that's the run on 15, Blake? I do. I, I don't love it, but I reckon it is. Um, because I just think six days, he's going to go back to how he ended last season. Well, I, what I'd be really interested to see is whether you guys get some of that young talent in. Like, so Henry Spate's obviously been found out as being completely useless. Whereas you've got the likes of Jack Maddox, who is ripping it up. I reckon a Banks or a Maddox might snag a bench spot, that 23 jersey, to mm. give him a couple of minutes. I don't know who, he, who he's going to favour there. I think Maddox has had the better season, but Banks has probably been more dynamic in the last two weeks. If he goes a 6-2 split, do you reckon he goes gets, gets in because he's quite a versatile player? Maddox, that is, over Banks? Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I, look, I don't know. And 6-2 is possible because Kirtley's your backup. Yeah, I was going to say in DHP in an emergency. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you'd, Hodge will be in and around. I don't know if he should be, but he will Is be. he going to get picked on the other wing? It'll be him or Corabetti, I imagine. That's got to be Corabetti. I mean, Hodge hasn't played wing all year. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's a finisher. Mm. And I think you need a bloke at an international level who just, if there's half a chance, they score. But Corabetti's lethal looking. Yeah, yeah, he's terrifying, man. He hits very hard in defence. He's just positional plays a bit shithouse, and he can't kick. And that's the concern, is, is they, as the guys have already said, they're going to go to the air, they're going to go to the skies, they're going to test him out. Do you think that will change, alter whether they pick Corabetti? Yeah, maybe you end up picking the best three under the high ball, which is Falau, DHB, and maybe Hodge is defending at 10 because Foley's back there to kick the high ball, catch the high ball too. Mm. Controversial. What about if you put Falau on one wing, put DHP in the other wing, and actually pick a fullback at fullback? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's crazy. Just slow your roll. This is not what happens in Australia. They don't actually defend in the right places either. Look, I don't know if you know, but Falau's contract's up and he wants to play fullback, so he'll be playing fullback. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he came out this week and said he doesn't know much about Ireland. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so he's probably been avoiding Ireland ever since the yes vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like this country. They do not believe in the things I believe in. Izzy, Izzy, get off your Instagram, mate. <laughs> oh, look, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Well, where does this stack up for you guys relative to, say, the rugby championship? I think traditionally this window, the June little window, it's a, it's a bit shit because it breaks up the super rugby season. But growing up, it was always um, just a warm-up to give your debutants a run, try out some combinations, try out the squad. And, and we'd always play a weak Northern Hemisphere yeah. side or a average Pacific Islander side, um, win 3-0 and build some confidence to go into the rugby championship. I think in the last three, four years, certainly the last two, it's become up there with the rugby championship, especially because the South African time slots shit ours, New Zealand destroy us. It's almost more exciting. You get three games in Australia in a good time slot that are competitive. Well, I think what's given it more kudos is the fact that it's become a series, hasn't it? You know, that three games, it can ebbs and flows in that in that time frame. So, I think I think that's really added to it. I think for an Aussie fan, the 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 fear is that just there's no warm up. Their first game together is it's a bloody. World Cup semi-final quality of rugby is what they're expected to play. I don't know. It's just the it's terrifying as an Aussie fan. It was the same against England last year. Two years ago. Like two years ago. Who was last year? It was um, Scotland. Scotland. I was going to say, did Scotland not beat you last year? Yeah, right. Ooh, I, don't know. <laughs> I like you boys. This is good. <laughs> Calm down, Richard. We'll go back after you again. Oh no. <laughs> so, what do you think? I don't, look, I just, it's so many unknowns, but if you put me on the spot... I think they just have. We're good in Suncorp. Um, I reckon 2-1 to Australia, but I reckon we probably lose the first or second test. Okay, so we're sat 
at Anza Allianz Stadium in that last game. We're we going... win the third game. Australia wins okay. the third game. Are you going home celebrating? I think that's the crux of it, or I don't have to put up with you crying <laughs> on the way home. I don't know. If I, uh, I don't know enough. I haven't watched enough of Ireland. When I look at their results, they deserve to be red-hot favourites. It's undeniable, and I think they've been, like you boys said, underdogs for too long. They actually deserve that yeah. position as the second best so, team in the world. But you fuck given... it, Australia 2-1. Richard, but... what do you reckon? The neutral. <laughs> no, this, look, I'm sat next to Blake. I'm not a neutral in this situation. Yeah, okay. Um... You're still within arm's reach then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, um, it's got a, I actually really want Ireland to, to win. Not only because I want to see the, the development, I also want to see back, uh, Blake suffer for a little bit, uh, which is always fun. Um, however, I do I do worry. It's not going to be a 3-0. It will be 2-1 to someone. Um, and just because they're at home, I think it might be a 2-1 Australia, which, yeah, pains, right. which pains me greatly. But yeah, that's 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 the way I think it'll go. Please prove me wrong, Ireland. Come on, Ireland. Please prove me wrong. Yeah, like Ireland are using this as a World Cup prep. You know, it's thirty-one man squad. They're they're training for like those conditions. Yeah, it's a fair point. But you know what? It's going to be a cracking series either way. Let's just go to an island. Come on, let's put me in a better mood. <laughs> Come on, boys, you turned it round for me. <laughs> so what? What do you boys think? Two one, three nil. I like. I personally think it'll be a three nil. I think Ireland have really well drilled. So I, I reckon it's going to be 2-1. I think we're going to put some new bodies out in the second test. I think we're going to win the first test. Um, but I think we are going to lose test two. And then we're going to come out and and storm the third one. Is there a... I don't know. After you boys watching the Super Rugby, you said you've been getting up and watching it. Is there a worry that our boys will be you know, ready and raring to go coming off the back of that and playing Kiwi sides? By the blue smoke, though. Yeah, how, how, answer this one for me. How does Tano Amaga still have a job? I think he's just... Because he spear tackled O'Driscoll that time, they just love him. He's national favorite, yeah. You got you guys are playing good stuff, but you know there's this thing that we do in the northern hemisphere in between attacking called defending. <laughs> Zing. But, yeah, I, I forgot what that looks like. I forgot what that looks like. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. the the tactical kicking, the goal kicking, and the set piece is where you win this. And then once you've broken us there those tries out wide emerge and the backs are good enough to get it done. Mm. So I think we've just got to get Falau under the high ball, show up at scrum time, show up at line-out time and show some dominance at the ruck and then we've got a game. If we let you boys take care of that forward stuff up front, it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, if, if you guys can slow down the ball at the breakdown, prevent Ireland from running the game the way they want to, then your backs are liable to create something out of nothing. And that's, I think that's where you guys can win this. If you get parity up front and if you slow us down, then your backline are capable of cutting any team in the world apart on their day. I reckon it comes down to the first five box kicks or bombs. If we don't take every single one of those cleanly and turn one of them into a line break, it's going to be a long day. And that's why they kick into Corabetti every time. <laughs> well, maybe they'd be close for that reason. Just quickly, um, well, I'd love to know your opinion. We've we've shat on him quite a few times, and he's come back into a little bit of form. As uh, staunch Connaught fans, are you excited by Carl Godwin's arrival? Like, I have no idea what to expect of him. Like, so, I'm basing my opinion off you. You've been listening to our podcast for long? So, I, I've i been listening to you guys for a couple of years, and um, when the signing was announced, uh, Porik texted me, and he was like, have you heard of this guy? I said, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Have you heard the phrase unfulfilled potential before? Well, that's it. You've hit the nail on the head. Mm. Um, I think, and that's why we went so hard at him, is because he was supposed to be the next 
Tim Horan, Jason Little, this barnstorming centre who could do it all. It's like that Star Wars line where Hugh McGregor is just screaming, you were the chosen one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, the coaches kept picking as if Anakin was. Um, I think I called him Bulbasaur on here, but now I think Anakin is even more fitting. Bulbasaur is excellent. <laughs> yeah, just not evolved. Yeah. <laughs> the last few weeks, though, he started to put it together. Um, he's very, very good defensively, and he's handy kicking it out of hand. So I reckon maybe the slightly less expansive, and I don't know if that's a stereotype or an oversimplification, but the start, slightly less expansive Northern Hemisphere game may suit him. And like Andy Friend's going to bring... Because I, I think it's funny, we actually don't even know how Connacht are going to play next year. Like new head coach, couple of new players. Like if you've got Horowitz, Godwin and Andy Friend coming in coaching them, is that familiarity going to help? Yeah, is Horowitz coaching? No. No, he's going as a player. Oh, he's a, he's a bit shit, guys. Yeah. He's not going to do anything majorly. <laughs> oh, Park's face is fucking priceless. He thought they'd unearthed some sort of a hidden gem. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. No, they haven't. No. But, but, Handy, but like... Yeah. But Connell finished um, sixth last year, so is that somewhere that... Um, is with these extra signings, and as you said, you've got a new coach, you don't really know, but is that, with these extra signings, are you hoping to, to challenge the bigger boys, the Glasgow's and the Munsters? Can or? I just interject? If you're fucking recruiting Godwood and Hall, yeah, no, they're sorry. definitely not. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, he's just getting more and more sad looking. No, um, Connacht have this expectation to always kind of be placing in the, at least for knockouts. Let's not forget, they won the Pro 12 a couple of years back, and that went to their heads, and, and now they want to get back at the top table playing with actual good teams. Still more silverware than Munster recently. Andy Friend's a, a step in the right direction. He's a quality coach. He's well regarded down here. I think people weren't stoked that he lost his job with the Australian Sevens. Quality coach. Excellent. I mean, that's like he's he's making all the right noises. So he's there. He spends half of his time tweeting at Porik. <laughs> well, don't tell him that Porik's not a great fan of uh, Carl Godwin now because that might not go down so well. Watched him this weekend against the Sunwolves. Yeah, did okay. That's he got a... turned easily for one of their tries. Mm. Is he? Is there um, big money spent on him? Sorry, we're segueing again back to Carl Godwin. Sorry, but has there been big money spent on him? If you're playing out the West of Ireland, you're not on a big lump of money. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, to, to be honest with you guys, it's been uh, it's been great. Really enjoyed actually, and, and hopefully it's going to be a great series um, over the next few weeks. We thoroughly enjoyed this. It's yeah, if a, um, if Australia win on the weekend, we'll we'll grab you next week and we'll have a bit of a catch up. File and when you can go fuck yourself. Seems fair. <laughs> to be fair, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one calling you then if, if Ireland win. Yeah, we'll send you some. We'll send you some nice WhatsApp video clips of Irish people cheering. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> no, it sounds good, boys. And like this is this is fantastic for us. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us and uh, gives us um, gives us something to give our listeners. You know, I'm sure we offended any and all of your listeners, but yeah. thanks for having us. And and then obviously, just make sure at the end of the series when you when you've won, just try and amp up the boasting that you have uh, would be greatly appreciated. We don't do humble. <laughs> That's good to hear. All right, boys. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. No thanks worries. for having us. Enjoy thanks the series. Chatting. So that was Blake and Richard from the Rugby Report Card. Uh, thanks to the guys for joining us. Really good for us to be able to have a chat with some people on the ground in Australia and get a sense of what the series is looking like from down there. Yeah, definitely. They're really, really great lads. And if you're into your Super Rugby, give the boys a follow on Twitter. They're at rugby underscore podcast. So, Washington, there's a few other games this weekend. Yeah, so just to rattle through the other fixtures, um, Saturday is basically wall-to-wall rugby. 
Um, in addition to the Paris 7s, uh, which is going on the whole way through Saturday and Sunday, we've got New Zealand against France first thing Saturday morning, South Africa against England in the first test. That should be a big one. Richard, I'm sure, will be watching it. Um, Argentina play Wales then in the evening, and the 2 a.m. special, Canada against Scotland. Just in time for your home from just in time for when you're home from the pub. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Lastly, as always, we'll finish with our second row one to watch. So, Porok, who have you gone for? I've gone for James Ryan. But I went for James Ryan. Oh, fine. All right, look. Aside from James Ryan, who is obviously our one to watch at all times, he okay. is the Messiah. Who's your one to watch? Probably for this game this weekend, but also really for the series. So, for me, Tyke Furlong would be my one to watch. Um, he's His set-piece work is immense, and it's everything else he brings to the role of his passing, his running, his tackling... He has changed what a prop is in international rugby. Yeah, and if we're going to have that tight five dominance that we spoke about with the boys, it's going to have to come through the tight end and the scrum. And it start, yeah, it starts with him, ends with him. He is going to be one of our key influencers across the series. Yeah, and a top quality player as well. Definitely. And you, who have you got? So, like, come at the hour, come at the man, and Connor Murray is my one to watch. Like, he is such a big game player, and given that his tactical control of the game aligned with Sexton is going to be what I think will win us the series. I just think it's it's all about Conor Murray. Yeah, he has that relationship with Johnny Sexton now. Like, they're almost psychic. Yeah, so not quite as psychic as Jacob Stockdale. No, I don't think anyone's that psychic. <laughs> no, I, I think he could pop up with a kind of an influential try and his ability to just manage a game is, is so important for our team. And as the lad said, you know, if we go for the high ball, his box kicks will be so important. Absolutely. So that's us. Yes, it is. And we'll be back next week to recap this weekend's fixtures and preview test two. Get in touch with us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That's 2ND, not the word second. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.